0: God bless you. I don't think uh, Dr. Kenshin understood how this feels for me to be able to be up here. Who would ever thought? Sleeping on a floor in a little room in a faraway country so I could be faithful. traveling around with all that we owned in trash bags in a little car so we could share about what God's doing, so we could be where God would have us. Who would have ever thought in those days, in those moments, that I would have an opportunity to be here with you and I want to share with you, I have not arrived. I don't have a large ministry where I'm paid at a substantial amount. And things are very comfortable. I haven't donated hundreds of thousands of dollars to the college to persuade this opportunity. I'm just a little old shepherd out with the flock, being faithful. And when Dr. Kinchin invited us to come, when he knew that we were going to be in the States, in October at 2 o'clock in the morning, my wife is sitting there. I was sitting there, sleeping next to her, and she, she was there. God woke me up, and he gave me a word for us today. And I've been so nervous. I've been carrying this in my heart for months. And I've been so nervous and so scared to bring it to you today. Faculty and staff, president, children of God, sheep of the Almighty. Let us not forget what's going to mark your life. Not just six years out of you leave from here. Not just 20 years when you're finished with this. But What's going to mark your life is who you're listening to. Who you're following. Who you're obeying. You turn me to John chapter 10. I realized that Dr. Daniel Aiken was here yesterday morning and Dr. Kinchin preached last week. And I understand that you're gonna have scholars upon scholars all semester long. I, I remember chapel services and I remember I never rarely missed. I was always in worship and I loved it. I didn't I wasn't raised in church, so anytime I got to hear the word of God and be around the people of God, I just I soaked it up and I was waiting. Uh, I, I wish I was going to learn uh, business meetings in here. How to do a business meeting. I never have sat in a business meeting for a... a, a minute. But God is so good. So I just pray that you would just be encouraged throughout the semester. But I just pray that today you would allow just this time, not as somebody that's arrived or somebody that's better than you, but just a brother in Christ who loves you because there's... Six billion people that have not proclaimed the name of Christ on this earth. There's over six billion non-believers. And in Vietnam alone, they say that there's 117 people groups, and 71 of these people groups is from different nations, is unreached. 71% Seventy-one percent of ninety-one million people is unreached. Less than one percent in Vietnam is is un, uh, is not a born-again evangelical believer. I don't want you to think that there's there's not a commission, there's not a desire for God to use you in this generation. But if we don't get what is about to be spoken to our heart right. And we've failed. We've missed it. So I'm not here to impress. I'm here to share. Feel my heart. You might not be there now. Write this down. I assure you this is from heaven. John chapter 10, Jesus is speaking, and he has his disciples there, and he has those who, those Jews who simply just never would believe, never were convinced that his words were the words of life. And we see in chapter 10, verse 3, we see something that's kind of underlying all the way throughout the chapter and I just want to kind of touch on it our text is verse 27 but it says in verse 3 to him the doorkeeper opens the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out and then verse 5 it says a stranger they will not follow why because they will flee from them why because they do not know his voice listen to this in verse 16 for I have other sheep which are not of this fold I must bring bring them also, they will hear my voice and they will become one flock with one shepherd. And then you get to verse 27 and this is the word that the Lord spoke to me at 2 a.m. in Saigon in a little hotel in a little old room and it was hot as can be and he awoke me with this. My sheep hear my voice and I know them they, 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 they follow me. Lord, oh, we love you. And Lord, this is all for you, Jesus. Lord, this time, these days, our life, it's all for you. All for your glory, God. Lord, all for your namesake. We just ask now, Lord, that you would move in this place. God, that you would move in this house. Lord, that you would remind us that we're yours. We hear you and we follow you. Spirit move. Spirit of living God move just graduated just several years ago and I I like Facebook. Facebook is great but you know in reality sometimes it's very discouraging. A lot of the individuals that I Graduated with, that stood on the stage, let us in worship, that I studied with, that was profound in thought and profound in understanding, had the ability to, to capture your attention with words and had the ability to articulate things that you would never imagine. Very gifted individuals, and at the time, we, I, I was convinced they're godly. But watching on Facebook over the years, Decisions that they've made, lifestyles that they begin to live that are very similar to that of the world. Out of ministry, married here, they they were dating, they met here, they got married here. And don't you know that people that meet here, godly woman, godly husband, they meet, they get married and they end up in over 50% ends up in Divorce. These are friends of mine. These are people that I've, I've, I've eaten with, I've worshipped with, that I've served with. And I'm thinking, man. And not only that, but not only the people that graduated from here, but those who have uh, been in ministry for years, walking away. Walking away from ministry as though it was a choice of their very own. Listen to me. We have to grab hold of what God has called us to. Amen. There has to be something within you that says, I can't do nothing else. This is what God has said to me. God told me to marry her. I don't care how bad it is going to be. I'm not going anywhere. God called me to this little old church. I don't care how many people's here. I'm going to be faithful. God called me to this college. I don't care how much work. I don't care how hard. I'm not going to walk away. God called me to this country. I don't care how hot. I don't care how busy. I don't care how ineffective I may think that I am. I'm not leaving. We have to grab hold of God's call and God's voice in our hearts and our lives. As the Lord had shared this with me, I'm writing, and it was really strange. This has never happened to me. I've preached several times, and God has used me, and I've loved preaching, and he just, I just wrote. And he gave me there's people that are way smarter than me, so don't, I mean, you gotta talk breaking up with God. But there's three different voices that the Lord had showed me. There's voices of status that we can listen to. This is society. This is officials within our society. These are physicians. These are teachers. These are news reporters. These are the tabloids. These are the celebrities. These are the politicians. And these are the individuals that are on your wall on Facebook. Then you got voices of influence. Those family members in your life, those friends, those church members, those neighbors, those grandparents, those parents, those spouses, those girlfriends, those boyfriends, those professors, those pastors, and the the presidents of the universities. Not all these voices are bad. Most of these voices are very good. Then there's that voice from self that tells you I'm hungry, I need to eat. It tells you I'm tired, I need to sleep. that tells you that I, I, uh, voices of emotion, I feel like doing this, and I, I don't feel like doing that. Voices from intellect, I have to do this. Voices of reason, I should do this. Voices of conscience don't do that, or you would or you should have not done that. Or this is the right thing to do. And I what if you were to gather all these voices together. If you was to gather them all together and you were to listen to them all in one accord, what would these voices be saying? They'll be trying to direct you. There'll be a directive uh, overture that would be, simply be heard. Do this. Go here. Don't do that. Things are always, voices are always, people are always, Influences are always trying to get you to where they think you should be. Not all are bad, some are confirming, but not all are God. We need to understand that this has not changed, that in the garden, Dr. Newell will share this with you later on, bring it up with him. But in the garden, we see in Genesis chapter 3, verse 6, that when the woman saw the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took from its fruit and she ate, and she gave it also to her husband. And he also ate. I would say that there were six different voices within the garden speaking that day. The voice of the enemy. Eve's emotional voice. I would simply say, it is good. Eve's intellectual voice, it's delightful. Eve's reasoning voice, it's going to make you wise. And in Eve's very own voice when she offered it to her husband. But number six, there was also God's voice. And the Lord had said, do anything, but don't eat of that. Jesus had been preaching and teaching. His ministry took off in an uproar. It began with such power, with the overturned tables in the book of John. The overturned tables at the at the at the at the At the temple, he overturned them in in chapter 2, and in chapter 3, his talk to Nicodemus, chapter 4, his walk with the Samaritan woman, and him offering her eternal life. And then we just see that Jesus continues to teach, and then he gets to chapter 10, and he has so many people following him, some that would simply be convinced that he was the Messiah, and then those who were in doubt and really just like listening to him, but really was just saying, man, this guy... I think he's crazy. In chapter 6, it actually said, we think he's got a demon. He's from Beelzebub. But I don't know. He's crazy. Actually, it says it later on in chapter 10 as well. And, and so we see that Jesus, uh, one, two, three, four, five, five times within 27 verses, he mentions or refers to hearing his voice. That's what marks the sheep hearing his voice, knowing him. That word hearing is very simple. It means to to hear with the knowledge of who's speaking. That you wouldn't have to see the individual, that you could hear the individual's voice and you would understand who it was and it's almost an impromptu that you're going to respond to it because it's a familiar voice. It's a loving voice. It's a kind voice. See, we hear a lot of voices within our life and we hear a lot of things that are calling out for us. But we have to understand that God desires to speak to you in the midst of chaos. God longs to share with you His heart. God longs to give you direction and give you courage and give you comfort. In Psalm 18, verse 16, David says that I called unto the Lord, and the Lord, he came down and he took me. This simply is saying that God didn't leave it to his angels. God didn't leave it to the pastors. God didn't leave it to the preachers. God didn't leave it to the professors, to family, to spouses, boyfriends, and girlfriends. God himself came down and he took me. He took me up. He encouraged me. He did what only he could do in my life. And God so desires to do this in your life, in your journey, in your walk, in your ministry, in your marriage. God wants to speak with you. He wants you to hear from heaven. He don't want you grasping at things that are just out there. Well, I think, I think, I think. He wants you to know. See, in Israel, I was had an opportunity to go to Israel several years ago, and in Israel, it's 80% of the place is desolate. It's a, simply a desert. There's Rocky Mountains, Judean Desert, the Negev, and it's just a Very vast place. We're driving down 90, going to Galilee. We're just past Jericho, and we're flying, man. And we're going down, going up, and uh, we see this dirty-looking Bedouin that had, like, a scarf around him. He just met. He blended right in. And then I seen these animals all on the side of the road, and I saw these animals, and I said, what in the world is that? And we pulled over, swung over, and looked. I said, there's sheep. Those things were disgusting looking. The, the, the fur was all knotted up and all tangled up. They were filthy. Filthy. And I said, hey, man, can I take a picture with you? And we took a picture with him. And then the sheep were running out in the road. And he did something that just was blown away. He said, hey, hey, hey. He just made a sound with his voice. And the sheep turned away from the road. And they began to follow him. And he walked back off into the desert. And I just stood there amazed that he didn't even say anything tangible. He just made a noise and the sheep heard his voice and they automatically followed him. This is the way. Walk therein. This is our Savior. Our shepherd. This. We see that Jesus encountered some, several of these voices within his ministry. The voices of status, remember what the voices of status are simply those that would try to shape your ministry from the outside world. Society, politicians, the, 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 the clout and the, the overture of all the world trying to shape you, what you're going to believe, what you're going to preach, what you're going to teach, what you're going to live out. Jesus also had the same influence within him. Remember Satan tempted him and said, Jesus, if you'll bow down and worship me, I'll give you the kingdoms of the earth. Jesus was tempted to be able to, to be popular, become popular in the eyes of the world. To, to be someone of influence in the eyes of the world. And Jesus knew that that was not what God had sent him to do. He, rem- he knew what his purpose was. And he did not give in to it. What about the voices of influence that are near and dear to your life? Mom and dad. Brothers and sisters. Daughters and sons. Professors and and good people who genuinely love you. They really, they love you. They care about your well-being. But sometimes they could be so far away from what God would have for you. And don't you know that everything will go fine and dandy until you feel like God is leading you to do something other than what they thought you should be doing? Jesus suffered the same thing all the way throughout the, all the way throughout the beginning of his ministry. His mom thought, and Mark, it says that his mom thought he was insane. She sent his brothers, hey, go and get Jesus. He's gone out of his mind. Go get him. He's doing something. He hasn't eaten. He's given himself in time. He's given himself in ministry to the people. Go and bring him back. And Jesus says, openly broke with her. Woman, you don't know the things of God. These are my brothers, my mother, my sisters. Whoever does the will of God. So we have the voice of influence that are near and dear to our heart. We have the voice of emotion. I've struggled with this. This is the voice that says it's good. And everything that is good is fun. It's delightful. It's joyful. But what happens when it's no longer joyful? What happens when it no longer feels good? What happens when it's a pain, and you no longer feel like going and praying, you don't no longer feel like studying, you no longer feel like serving, you no longer feel like giving, it hurts, or emotions that would give you anxiety to make you think that everything in the world is just collapsing around you, that there's no hope and depression, no one loves you. God could never use me. These voices of emotion is deep and throbbing and consistent. You know, Paul had a battle with his emotions. Paul, one of the greatest apostles, if not the greatest, done great things for God. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, it says that, but he had a a thorn in his side and it buffeted him. That The word buffet literally means it beat him. It beat him. It beat him. Now the man had been beaten so many times before. He had been stoned, he had been rioted against, he'd been shipwrecked, he'd been hungry, he'd been lost at sea, he'd been cold, he'd been hot. He knew what it meant to be without, but yet he declared within his own heart, the one thing that beat me was a very thorn in my flesh, that it was something I dealt with on a constant basis. So what did he do? He says, I asked the Lord three times to remove it far from me. This simply means to divorce it from me to retire it from me, God to push it out far from me as to never to return. You know what it says in verse 9? And the Lord said to me, Oh, that's weird. God's speaking to His people. The Lord said to me that in your weakness, strength is perfect. Whose voice are you listening to? The world? Parents? Even when you don't feel like it? Or God? See, when I was in school here, man, everybody thinks being in Bible college is whistling Dixie, gravy train, and biscuit wheels. Hey, man, that's... Straight up, right? Everybody says, oh, you're so lucky you're in Bible college. I just want to punch them in the face. <laughs> Y'all laughing because you know what's up. You know it's the, it's the truth, right? Just want to, man, what's wrong with you? You ever been to Bible college? Do you know that it's like the tormenting ground of the flesh? that you have the ability to access all the things of the world, but you're saying, not today? Man, it's, it's hard. I remember my second semester, 10 years ago this day, my second semester, as y'all are in this semester, I was, I was so depressed. My mom had got sick, and she was... She, she was in the hospital. They thought that she was going to die. I showed my wife last night. They said that she had cancer, and it had grown from the size of a thumbnail to the size of her fist, and they needed to do surgery. I remember I was right down here at the end of the corner. I used to walk and pray around the school, and I remember praying, and I remember God just speaking to my heart and showing me that he had healed her. And she was getting ready to go surgery. So I got in my car, I drove down. They went to do a, a pre-op before she, they did surgery, and they said, we can't find nothing. I was so depressed. My mom couldn't work. We didn't have the money. I was saying, man, I'm a man. I need to go home and take care of my family. And just nobody would talk to me. I walked around this campus as a zombie. Nobody would encourage me. Nobody would grab my hand and say, let me pray for you. Nothing. I just felt as though I was all alone in the midst of the kingdom of God. I wanted to quit. I wanted to give up. I wanted to walk away. But I couldn't. Because I remember in, two, in, in 2002, in an August morning, me and my pastor who R.G. Lee led to the Lord stepped out of the car in that parking lot right there and God says, you're to be here. I couldn't walk away. And I remember driving back and forth from here to Deland to preach every, every weekend. Dumb dumb god had called me this little old church to help them and i remember i would load up friday afternoon and i would drive home to preach at this place and come back at two o'clock in the morning i remember falling asleep one time and the lord woke me up and on i-10 it was crazy and i started having anxiety real bad i had always gleaned from the professors a lot of mentors from the professors and the staff here god really blessed us and they said sean you need to go talk to the counselor now listen to me ain't nothing against counseling I love counsel. Thank God for your counselors. I went to the counselor, and she says, it's just sweet as can be. Well, honey, let's just write down the negative and write down the positive. And she was just, it just soothed me to talk to her. And I had 23 negatives of why I shouldn't be going down there serving. I only had three positives, but number one on the positive list was being obedient. And she says, well, that settles it, son. When are you going to turn in your resignation? And I cried, and I said, yes, ma'am, that does settle it. I can't do no other. God called me there. And I remember being in that little old church and me and my youth pastor, Judd, who graduated from here, we, were, we, didn't have, we didn't get paid. We served with all of our heart. God used us in a mighty way, but we never had a place to stay. We ended up staying at my mom's little old house. He slept over here. I slept over there. And we served God with all of our heart. We could never quit because God called us to it we couldn't do nothing else in 2012 I was walking and praying and the Lord said, Sean it's time to move on and I thought I would be excited to hear that finally Lord I'm gonna be able to have some type of career finally God I'm gonna be able to have some type of check to deposit that would be great and he said, Sean it's time to move on to Vietnam I stopped. I remember. I was about to walk down a dirt road, and I stopped, and I said, "Have you ever been to Vietnam, <laughs> Lord? I, I, it's hot there. It's difficult, Lord. They don't like me. God, it's a closed country, and I, we don't. I have eleven dollars in my name, Lord. How are we going to go?" And he said, who said anything about money? I'll take care of you. I came home and said, honey, we're going to Vietnam. Six months later, we left our church. The Lord had provided for us to be able to buy land, to be able to erect facilities to train in, for the the students to be able to shower in. And we helped erect also a large church in the South. And oh, God, last January... We started our training center for pastors, the Bible Institute. God is faithful. Amidst all the pain, amidst the trouble from the government, amidst the troubles within relationships with different pastors and different groups, I could never quit. I'm not telling you that. I'm great. I'm the pride of the Baptist College of Florida. I'm just telling you I'm a sheep. The Bible says that his sheep they hear his voice and he knows them. They follow. It's going to mark your life. It's gonna mark your marriage. It's gonna mark your ministry. It's gonna mark all that you do is whose voice you're following. Lord, we love you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus, for your mercy. We thank you, Lord, for being you. Lord, I pray for those whose emotions are running wild on them today. God, they just want to walk away. Just want to leave. Lord, those who may be feeling called to a faraway place. But Lord, their parents would rather them serve here. God, for those whose testimony, doctrine, and theology has been influenced from outside, instead of from your heart and your word, God, speak to your sheep. Let them make up in their mind today I hear you, Lord, and I'll follow you to all the people